Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. Amen. Um, what, a, what a blessing sometimes it is for to have memories, right? Um, we, we should not take those for granted. Uh, many of you probably have had family members of ours, as I've had in my own family, um, who have begun to struggle with memory um, and the sadness of that and the confusion, even when they no longer even recognize you, your face, um, as a child um, or a spouse or a grandchild or brother or sister. And um, as we heard the words of the song, my mind was just um, like a memory reel of God's work in my life to call me out of darkness into light and to transform me. And I'll never forget, it, it came to a, a, a culmination, a high point of a launching pad moment there in Lexington, Kentucky in a parking lot of the church that I was serving in. And I remember going to my car that night and trying to put my key in the ignition. I just couldn't do it. And I remember that night just sitting there in the parking lot with my hands shaking on that steering wheel. And I remember just those words, hearing them. The prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. Who will go for us? Whom shall I send? I remember those words just bubbling in my heart. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Send me, Lord. Away from the family business, Lord. Send me, Lord. Possibly away from all that I've ever known. Here am I, Lord. Send me into things that I'm not sure of where it will lead. Here am I, Lord. Send me. I am unqualified and ungifted. Here am I, Lord, if you would send me, even knowing all the junk in my trunk. Here am I, Lord, send me. I want to spend my life, Lord. I want to invest my life. I want to give my life for you and your kingdom that people would know the hope of this blessed gospel. And so when we sang those words, those, I could just still see myself sitting there in that little Chevy Cavalier, hands shaking crying out to God, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Here am I. Send me. This morning, I want to answer a question that was posed to me this past Monday night. We had come in late from the ballpark, and we were kind of gathering for family time, and it's it's a busy season, and so family time looks different, but we try to make moments in which we just, we spend, and so it was a late night, and Monday night after the ballpark, and we had kind of got ready for bed, and the question comes, hey, Dad, what if someone says they're a Christian, but then they spend their life not living for God, and in fact, they, they spend much of their life not leading people to heaven but to hell? Dad, is that person really a Christian? Is that person, right? I mean, even if they made that, that, that profession, Dad, if, they, if they're not living it, Dad, I want to know, right? I mean, asking basically this question that probably you've asked at some point, how can I know that I'm saved? Right? Is that person saved? Am I, will I be saved if I live like that? Maybe you're here today and that's, that's the epitaph on your life at this moment. You've made a profession at some point, but there's not much living of it. And you're dealing with questions like that. How can I know that I'm saved? So this morning, we're going to jump into the text that I jumped into Monday night briefly, and as my family soon faded off into sleep, and hopefully that won't happen for you this morning, as I struggle often, many of you know, to answer questions succinctly and clearly, 
and quickly and but I want to strive with this text that God had been using, the same text or the same chapter, the same book um, that Brother Mark preached from last Sunday. And I want to remind you of what happens here, of how God uses God's Word, how God works to confirm our salvation. So turn with you, would, Second Peter chapter 1. We'll pick up in verse 3. The background of Second Peter is that it's likely that Peter writes from jail. He's there in Rome in prison because of the gospel. The end of his life, according to verse 14 of chapter 1, is near. And he writes, according to chapter 3, verse 4, that there are many false teachers that have now spread throughout the world. And they are telling people, hey, listen, if Jesus says he's coming back, then where is he? It must be that he's actually not coming back. And if he's not coming back, then there's no real reason to live for the gospel. And you might as well feel good the fact that you've made a decision, but you should live any way you want. Basically, that's what Peter's dealing with. A church who thinks they can live any way they want because there's people who are teaching and preaching that Jesus isn't coming back. And it's okay to live how you want. And so Peter writes to combat that. And he, and he fires off this morning. By reminding us and anchoring us in what is our salvation, what is our foundation for living out the gospel. So point number one would be this. Everything you need to live a godly life comes from God. Everything that you and I need to live a godly life, it comes from God. Look what he would begin in verse 3 of Second Peter 1. Peter writes and it says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. We are all called, according to Peter, to live a life of godliness. That's the aim, that's the goal, that we would be image bearers. You are created in the image of God, and we are called to be image bearers, to bear His image to all creation, to let everyone know that there is a God of love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and a God of self-control and a God of virtue and moral uprightness. Your life is called to bear that image. And Peter says, listen, everything, your life is to point to life and godliness. But the reality is, if you were being honest this morning, none of us can do that. None of us can live up to that perfectly, right? I mean, like, let's just be honest this morning. It doesn't automatically come the moment of having self-control, right? When someone says something to you or about you or your family, right? It doesn't come a moment of self-control when someone, right, pulls out really right, right in front of you and drives like 10 miles per hour, right? Like, I mean, just those moments in which self-control just doesn't come easily, right? I mean, he's going to say today that we're called to love our enemies. And let's just be honest, that's hard. I mean, people say things about you, people do things behind your back, people, right? I mean, some of you have had stuff from like 20, 30 years, or maybe people in this community have done you wrong, or I mean, there's just been moments in which it's just hard to show that kind of love. And what's beautiful is, is that Peter says, guess what, guys, God knows that. God's not surprised that you and I struggle to live the life he's calling us to live. In fact, he knows that we can't. And listen to what Peter says. His divine power has granted to us all things. Look what he says further in verse 4. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. 
God, listen, is acting. Why? Because we can't do it ourselves. This is the gospel coming to us. This is Christ coming to us because none of us can live this life perfectly. This is a moment in which he's going to tell you back in verse 2. It talks about this grace being multiplied to you. That God's grace, His kindness. Why? Because He knows we're desperately all going to need it. And so he says, listen guys, I want you to know that His divine power has granted to us. Listen, it's the power of God that's giving you the strength to live a life of godliness. So as you hear this today and you hear about how can I know that I'm saved, you're going to hear Peter call you to a holy, godly life. I want you to realize at the outset that the strength to live a godly life comes from God. It comes from Christ in you. Right? This is about our being because of what He's already done. We're doing because of what He's already done. Right? We're not working to the cross, but from the cross. Right? I mean, it's, it's this hope of salvation of what God has done. He says, listen, God's divine power has granted to us all things, not just some things. Right? Some of you think that your situation's beyond showing self-control. It's beyond forgiving that person. It's beyond ever getting past that. Right? And He says, I, listen, I want you to know that God's given you everything you ever need to live a godly life. Listen, so does this automatically just happen, right? I mean, or how does this divine power come to us? Well, look what he says, several key words that help us understand or maybe unpack this passage. Look what he says. It's through. So this this divine power is coming to you. The power to live and overcome what he's going to say in a moment. Temptation and the desires of the flesh. He says, I want you to know where how it comes to you. It comes to you through what? Knowledge of Him. Through your spending time understanding who God is and who you are and the hope of the gospel right here in the Word of God. He says, listen, I want you to know that's why it's so important that you spend time alone daily with God and His Word. Why? Because that is how God is bringing to you His divine power. It is opening your eyes to realize, wow, I fall so short of this. And He said, you're exactly right, you do. But I want you to know that where sin abounds, grace what? It abounds all the more, doesn't it? His mercy is more. His grace is more. His strength is more. He says, I want you to know, listen, you must hear about this knowledge of who He is. Look what He says, this knowledge. Look what He says, this knowledge of Him who called us. Look what you understand. You must begin to know what has God called you to? How is His divine power coming to you to overcome the temptations and the weaknesses of our flesh? Look what it says. The knowledge of Him who called us. Look what he says he's calling us to. His own glory and excellence. He says, listen, it's not because, listen, God didn't call us because of anything good in us. Right? God didn't call you because of anything good in you. In fact, Romans 5 and 8, right? One of my boys opened up the Bible just a while ago. He's like, Dad, I'm in Romans 5. I was like, that's one of my most favorite chapters. Why? Because Romans 5 says things like in verse 8, that, but God demonstrates His love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, what? Christ died for us. What a hope. That you today don't have to clean up your life enough to come to God. In fact, if you're waiting for your life to get clean and clear enough, it'll never come. You come today in the midst of your dirt. That's what that son did who was far off in a land. It said he spent it on, on wild living and prostitutes and he spent all of his inheritance. And it says he was in the midst of eating out of the pig pen. And he came to his 
senses and he thought about his dad and about home. And he came just as he was, busted, disgusted, and not to be trusted. And that dad showed such lavish grace and mercy. And he said, this son of mine was dead and he is a what? He's alive. So listen, as you hear this day, listen, God chooses the people at the back of the kickball line. God chooses those who have missed out on job opportunity after job opportunity. God, look, He goes to those, as Brother Todd showed us on Wednesday night, those who have had five husbands and shacking up with a guy now that's not their husband. That's the kind of God He is. And it says, this God has called you to His own glory and is excellent. How does He do it? Look what He says. Bye. It comes through knowledge, right? This divine power is coming to you. But Peter says, I want you to know, keep following with me. Keep walking down this path by which he is granted to us. Look what he says here. His precious and very great promises. So it's God's promises. That this this knowledge comes to us right by his promises. It's revealed to us. Listen, listen, what's happening here? Why is he doing it? Look, look, look why he's doing this. Why is he revealing these promises? We're going to talk about the promises in just a moment. We need to just look at another thing here. So that, look what he says. So that. Here's why the knowledge is coming to you. Here's why God is granting to you, right, his divine power. Here's why God is, is, has made these promises. Here's why all of this. Peter says, here's what's happening. Here's, here's to the end game. What's going to take place? So that through them, through these promises, through ultimately the divine power. Listen to this. This is what God is doing in your life. If you are a believer, this is what God is desiring to do in your life. Peter says, look at here. So that through them, through again, the, the, the them is these promises, right? Ultimately pointing back to the divine power. He says, through them, you may become, look what he says here, partakers of what? Partakers of what? The divine nature. Christ in you, Paul will say in Colossians 1 and 27, is the what? Hope of glory. This is Christ in you, beloved. He says, listen, I want you to know what God is doing, right? Why His divine power is granting to you everything that you need for life and godliness. He wants you to live a holy life. He says, I want you to know, listen, that I have called you to my own glory and my excellence. I want you to behold who I am. Revelation 22 says that you will see this God face to face for all eternity if you will come to Christ. He says, I want you to know what I'm doing with these great promises that I've made all throughout the Old Testament and leading into the New Testament. What is God doing so that you you might partake of the divine nature. That you would experience what our brothers were just saying. It's not just tweaking. It's total transformation. It's what Paul will say in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new what? Creation. Behold, the old is what? Gone. It's past. And the new is what? Come. You can partake of this divine nature. Now, he's going to show you. I mean, he's going to spell out what's it look like to partake of the divine nature. But, but look, look. Why? Why is God desiring for us to partake of the divine nature, Peter? What's he doing? Look, again, remember, he's combating those who are saying you can live any way you want because ultimately Jesus isn't coming back. Right? I mean... These false teachers in that day and time are saying, listen, if God really cared or knew about the world, then he would have already interceded by now. 
And Peter's going to say, God's interceded in the world many times over. He interceded in the days of Noah. He interceded in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. God has interceded at different times to show his divine displeasure with sin. Look what he says here. Why is God doing all of this? Giving us ultimately his divine power, right? To live a holy and godly life. What's he doing? Listen to what Peter says. So that. Through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature. Look, this is what it looks like, right? If you wondered, how do I know, Blake, if I'm partaking of the divine nature? How might I know if Christ is living in me? Peter, what, what, what would you say to me today? If you got a chance, right, to talk to Peter, right? Everybody thinks Peter's going to be at the gates. Well, here's Peter speaking to you God's word this morning. Listen to what he says. Having escaped from. So listen, you're going to escape from something. The corruption is in the world because of sinful desire. The reason why God is giving us the divine power because he desires for us to live a holy and godly life. And that holy and godly life, it means for us to escape sinful desires. It means you can no longer live any way you want. Right, I mean, Paul battles that in Romans 6. And when he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace might increase? Some say, since God will forgive us, why not live any way we want? It just almost magnifies his grace seemingly. And Paul says, God forbid, we've died to sin. How shall we what? Live in it any longer. He says, God forbid that we should live that way. You have escaped. Listen, he says, I have come and I'm going to, you're going to partake of the divine nature. I'm going to indwell you by my spirit that, listen... I know that you can't. Blake, I know that you can't. You, you, you say, here am I, Lord, send me. But Blake, listen, your heart, listen, there's no way you can do this. But I want you to know that I can in and through you. You, you can't go another day in that marriage. But listen, God says, I want you to know I can in and through you. Some of you think because of a past divorce or all the mess in there that you could never, ever get your life back. You'll never, ever be. And God says, I want you to know that you can't, but I can Listen, some of you, listen, listen this morning. You think that there's no way. There's no way. That you can ever be honored because of the lies or the deception. Or maybe what you're trapped in right now. If that person on the right or the left or your mom or dad or whoever knew it. There's no way. And Peter's saying... That's why Jesus came. He came for those impossible moments in which you think there's absolutely no way that it will ever change. Or if you actually came out and shared the truth, it's over. Everything's done for you. You're, you're just discarded for the rest of your life. I mean, you will have a miserable rest of your existence. He says, I want you to know that I'm coming and by my grace and by my mercy, you might have the strength to come on, to go on, to move forward. That's, look, that's what he's going to say. That's our second point. Having all that you need, you can live a godly life. Listen, having this divine power, partaking of this divine nature, you and I can live a godly life. Listen to what he says beginning in verse 5. For this very reason. Notice that. For this very reason. Because of partaking of the divine nature. Because of his great promises. Because, right, he's given us everything we need. Listen to what he says. Because of this, make every effort. That's huge. Make every effort. Right? Go all out. The word indicates going all out. 
Like it's just like going all out, right? I mean, that's one of the things I talk to my boys. Listen, there's a lot of things when you compete right now, we're in baseball that you can't control. You can't control what the umpire calls, right, coach? I see you laughing. Oh, we got a witness, got a hand up, right? Right? You, you can't control. There's things that you can't control in this life. But I said, listen, there's things that you can control. How hard you go, your attitude in those moments when it doesn't go well. How you continue to cheer on your team, right? I mean, those are things that you can control, man. Listen, so he literally says, for this very reason, the reason why you're going to make every effort is because of this God who came to you on the blessed cross and died and take your sin and shame and gave you clean hands and a pure heart and now is putting his spirit in you to live a life of transformation. He says that because of that. So remember, this is not just because, oh, I should do it because I'm a Christian or because this is the right thing. I mean, I'm hearing those, right? But listen, Peter's saying, I only know it's for this very reason. Because of who Christ is, because of what he's doing in and through you. That compels you to make every effort. Look what he says, and this is, this is crucial. You have to hear this. Make every effort to supplement your faith. Doesn't say replace your faith. He says, listen, you have your faith in Christ. You've, you've believed on the gospel, the hope that Jesus died for you, was buried on the third day, raised again. You've believed and hoped in that. He says, listen, all we know this is you adding to your faith. And listen to what he notes here, just several things. Again, making every effort to grow. As a believer, you're starting, right? Remember our, our question, how can I know that I'm saved? Peter's going to start showing you the reality of whether or not the divine nature you've partaken of it. He's going to show you, he says, because this very reason, make every effort to live out your faith. And he says, first he says here with virtue. In verse 3, that's how God is defined. And in First Peter chapter 2, that, that beautiful passage of verse 9, for you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that you might proclaim His excellencies, His virtue, right? It, it indicates some type of moral uprightness, moral perfection, says, listen, I want you to know, to add to your faith, virtue. Secondly, look what he says here with virtue, knowledge. Knowledge, as Brother Mark preached last Sunday, a knowledge of God and His unending grace. Knowledge of Him. Knowledge in your daily pursuit. Knowledge in what you're doing this morning. This morning, as you sit under God's Word, you need to be praying, God, please, Lord, don't let me just hear these words. Don't be hearers only, but be doers. James says, so deceiving yourselves. You're deceived if this morning you think all you need to do is show up and hear. James says that you and I must apply this to our hearts. We must be doers of this word. Live it out. So that knowledge, it begins to reveal who we are in Christ. Further, look what he says, and knowledge with self-control. Self-control indicates a mastery of desires. And listen, the reality is in a room this size, we all have different struggles with self-control. We all have areas in which you know that you are weak. Areas in which, listen, I mean, you just, you just know it, right? I mean, for me, always there's been a battle of pride and purity. Those are two things I constantly battle. I have to constantly guard myself. I constantly have to war against my own flesh. The pride, the arrogance, the ego. All these things just constantly. I have to just bring them and submit them to Christ and say, God, that does not reflect you. Right? Some of you, you deal with that. You have a hard heart toward people. You're judgmental. Others of you, listen, the moment that screen, that image comes on that screen before you, I mean, you, just, you feel like you have to click it. You're like you're entranced. He says, listen, I want you to know, guys, 
the guarding of your soul means that you need to make every effort. And Jesus says, if your eye causes you to sin, what? Pluck it out and throw it away. Maybe in our vernacular, it might mean that if this screen is consuming your life with pornography or inappropriate texting on your phone with someone that isn't your spouse or whatever it is for you, Jesus would say to you today, get rid of your phone, get rid of the TV, get rid of the screen. You say, I can't, I couldn't. Jesus would say, it'd be much better to enter heaven without your phone than to walk into hell with it in your pocket. So we must make every effort to have self-control. Look at what it says further within verse 6. And self-control with steadfastness. This is like an endurance. Um, as he writes to the church at Thessalonica, Paul, he talks to them about the fact that they are enduring under much afflictions. Right? I mean, there's this great afflictions and persecution. Second Thessalonians 1 and 4. They're being steadfast. It indicates there's a patience. They're not giving up their faith. Some of you, listen, you're, you're facing great challenges and it would be so easy to throw in the towel. People may be encouraging you to throw in the towel. But listen, this the Spirit of God in you is saying, remain steadfast. Hold on another day. Be strengthened by my great strength and power. You're right. You can't. You're too weak. You're right. Your rope is long since gone. You're right. Your third chance is 50 chances. You're long since gone with that person. But me in you... What is impossible with you is possible with God. This steadfastness, beloved, comes not from us, but from Him. Partake of this divine nature this morning. Come to Christ. Your whole life will be changed. Your family can be transformed. Think about you, Dad. What would your family look like today if you partake of this divine nature? Grandma, think what your family would look like if you partake of this divine nature and you set the course that is so different than everything else that's going on in the culture and world around your family. Think of this co-worker today if you partook of this divine nature and you go back to that job and you're not sharing that, you're not talking about that, you're not gossiping, right? You're not looking at those images, you're not sharing those jokes. You just something about you because of God's divine nature in you. It's transformative. Wow. And steadfastness with godliness, he says. For those of you that were in our spiritual disciplines, you remember 1 Timothy 4 and 7. It says, train yourselves to be godly or discipline yourself for godliness. Right? This discipline, and he goes on to compare it, verse 8 of 1 Timothy 4. Right? If you walked in our CLC, you probably see it up on the wall. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Holding value for both the present life and the life to come. He says, listen, just like you might train and discipline your body, and you, you discipline yourself with exercise and the way you eat and, and all these things that you're after physically, he says, that is of some value, but I'm telling you, godliness is value for not only this life, but for the life to come. He said, so strive after that with everything you have. Everything you have, give it to godliness. Give it all to that. And godliness with brotherly affection and affection with love. And I feel like we've already covered some of those of just this, this love, this kindness of the person that you hate, that you despise. Maybe they're sitting next to you this morning or you'll see them when you walk back to work tomorrow or at the ballpark this week or in the grocery store. Maybe you sleep in the bed next to them. The power to overcome and to love them is Christ in you. 
And why all this? Why Peter? Why is he making this point? He's going to show us because godly living confirms our salvation. Right? I mean, the question that was asked to me Monday night there about 9.45 as we were in the bedroom late. The boys were all gathered around. How, how can I know that I'm saved, right? Peter says, listen, that godly living, it confirms our salvation. This, 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 this life of godliness, it is an affirmation that you've partaken of the divine nature that Christ is actually in you. So look what he says here. Four, beginning in verse eight, right? He's, he's rooting it, right? So he's kind of building on what he's just said. For if these qualities, the ones he's just listed, right? Self-control, knowledge, virtue, those things. If for if these qualities, look what he says, they are yours and what? They're increasing. Now look what he's going to say here about these things. Right? This is why. They keep you. Notice what they're going to keep you from doing. Being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter's compelling us. Listen, this is why he's saying make every effort. Why? Because this is about you bearing fruit. This is about you being effective. Right? I don't know about you, but I, I feel like, man, almost weekly, I just wonder, God, does my life matter? Do you ever wonder that? Like, God, am I making a difference in the church, God? Am I making a difference in the community? Like, God, I mean, does our church, God, are we making a difference, Lord? Like, am I spending my life effectively for you, God? I mean, like, what might I do to be more effective, God? How might I be more fruitful as a husband, as a father, as a, as a follower of yours? God, have I, have I made the most effective means of, of the teams that you put my kids on this year, on those teams? And those parents that are around there watching their kids, God, have I been as effective as I could be? Lord, am I being fruitful? I mean, we, can, we, we must keep asking ourselves, Lord, are these qualities mine and are they increasing? Because he says, because they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? I mean, what dangers or might keep you from living a godly life and endangering your soul? It appears that not making every effort, just floating by, just coming to church and just going through the motions. Right? I mean, just not taking that battle seriously to love that person and show kindness to the other person in the church that you despise, that makes it hard for you at times. We must, we must wage war against our flesh. You must. And the good news is it's not you that's doing it. It's the divine power in you. That's why there's hope today. If this was just us, we got to go out and be better people. This is a doomed message. But this message is rooted and anchored in what He has already done. It is in His strength, not yours. It is in His power, not yours. It is in His joy, not yours. This strength comes not from you, but from Christ from whom all blessings flow. And here's the danger. Here's the danger in thinking this is not a big deal. Listen to what he says, verse 9, 4. For whoever, he says, lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind. And I think blind from two things. Look what he says here. Having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Blind to the past. Have you become blind to forget what it was like for you to be forgiven? 
of the joy that you experienced when you went to those baptismal waters or you walked into that creek or you walked into that place, right? And, and they placed you there and you made that profession and, and they buried you with Christ and raised to walk in the power of the Spirit, this death, burial, resurrection as you followed your Savior. Have you forgot what it felt like just the joy of knowing everything you'd ever done or thought was finally once and for all fully known and yet you were fully loved and fully forgiven because of the cross? I wonder how many doors we might mock on this morning that have forgotten that. But I think the blindness not only looks blindness to the past, there's a blindness also to the future that it's just become a haze that we're not thinking about, according to verse 11, having to enter into the eternal kingdom. We're not thinking about that there's this eternal shore that's screaming toward all of us that may collide with our lives in a few moments or a few days or a few weeks or months or un- uh, undoubtedly years. Today, maybe here and now, the ball games or Netflix or work or the farm or Facebook or whatever has just clouded your lives and created such a haze that you can't even see that eternal shore anymore. And Peter has a warning for my soul and for your soul. And he says, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind. But he's going to build on it. Verse 10, look what he says. Therefore, therefore, because of this danger that all of us have, this propensity that each of us have to, to forget about what God has done in our past of forgiving us, of forgetting about the eternal shore that's headed before us. Here he says, listen, therefore, brothers, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent. I think this is where Peter's just going to, this is his culmination of all of it coming together. This is to confirm your calling and election. This is answering the question of my nine-year-old on Monday night. How, Dad, can I know that I'm saved? And Peter says... It's by partaking the divine nature that's evidenced by the way you live your life. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. And here is why he says kind of an if then for if if you practice these qualities, look at that, you will never what you'll never fall. If you practice these qualities, Peter says, listen, you've got people in this world that are telling you, listen, it's not that big a deal. There's more chances after death or whatever you bought into and believing. And Peter says, listen, no, you confirm your calling and election that God loved you, that he called you, that he chose you, that he drew you, that you truly repented and believed that you willfully said, God, I want Christ. He says, this is confirmed by the way you are living your life and the practicing of these qualities and the danger is if we're not he says there is the potential for a fall a fall that appears according to verse 11 really serious because he says for in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ he's saying the practice of these qualities confirms that you are truly in christ which provides that entrance into eternity But if you're rejecting this, if if you're not bearing this fruit, if you become ineffective or unfruitful, if you're not practicing these qualities, He wants you to know that there's a danger of an eternal fall that could be headed for you. That you could step into the darkness of eternity, separated from God forever. Peter says, I want you to know 
If you're saved or not, by the looking at your life, have you truly repented and believed? If you have, he says, it will bear fruit. It will bear fruit. So Peter says, listen, guys, this provides clarity of your salvation if it is a fact or a fraud, if it is legit or a lie. Because if you practice these, you will never fall. The hope of the gospel is that anyone, anywhere, anytime who hears this hope and believes on the name of Christ, Peter says that you become a partaker of the divine nature. Christ comes to indwell you. Today, by faith, the living God, the living God comes to indwell you today. That's the hope. Listen, that's why we're doing Vacation Bible School. It is because there is hope that they can not only be cleansed and forgiven, but they can be transformed from the inside out. It is why we're going in a few moments to knock on doors here in Greensburg, KY, and invite them to say, come and see. And if God opens the door, then go and tell. You're just, you look, you're going to have a door hanger. Simply, it's just simple. Hi, my name's Blake. I'm with Greensburg Baptist. We're having Vacation Bible School. Starts tonight through Thursday night, 5.30 to 8. We're going to have Bible story. There's going to be games, crafts, food each night. We would love for your child to come. We've got a bus. We can pick you up. We would love for you to come and see. And you know what? God may open the door. They may start to share. This is exactly what I've been needing. I've been praying. I need to get my kids back in church. Guess what? There's an opportunity now that's starting to say, go and tell. Can I share with you how God changed my life? I don't know what your story looks like and I hope you listen to their story, but you start to share your story of how God transformed your life. It may be somebody just says thanks and they shut the door. Then you've invited them to come and see. I want to ask you today, will you go with us as part of partaking of that divine nature of making every effort to keep growing in your faith? Today's that opportunity to go and live that out as a church body, all of us as a as an army of one, so to speak, go and knock on the doors of Greensburg KY. Letting people know the hope that we have received. The hope of the gospel. The hope of the gospel. Do you know this hope? Have you received it? What about all the people in Greensburg KY this morning? Do they know it? Do they have the hope? You're sharing with them the greatest news they'll ever receive. I think it trumps everything else in our lives. The need to share and take this gospel. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you that this message does not rise and fall by my own strength or power. In fact, if they have believed because of me, if I could somehow be persuasive enough, I know this world and the power of darkness is so much more powerful and persuasive than me. But Lord, if they have put their hope in the living God today, if they will anchor their lives today in Christ, then your word says that you have overcome every power, every spiritual force of evil, every authority. So, Lord, I want to entrust every soul to you today. Please, God, right now, would you just speak into the heart and life of everyone here today? Please, God, 
would they just encounter the living God in this moment? Please, Lord, that they would partake of Your divine nature. They would forever be changed, Lord. Their families, their... God, the lineage that they are going to leave behind, Lord, forever changed because of Christ today, in this moment now. Lord, You are that big and that mighty. And so, Lord, I just hope in You this morning. And, Lord, I know that the Gospel is the power unto salvation for everyone who believes. And so, Lord, I know this morning the preaching of the Gospel, there is power in You and this Gospel. Not in me, but in You. And so, Lord, because of the power that is in this Gospel, Lord, I believe that You are speaking to people and calling them to Your Son. And Father, I believe because this gospel is so powerful and it's the hope of the world and you sent your son to save sinners that when we knock on doors today, there's going to be people who are in desperate, desperate need of hope, of forgiveness, of grace and mercy. And so, Lord, I believe because we partake of the divine nature that you will give us strength and courage and boldness to let them know of the hope of the gospel. So, Lord, everything today of this church rises and falls with you. And Lord, that is a beautiful place to be. We hope and we confess Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. In His name we pray, Lord. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.